0: On on to his right, bounce, and he cracks it home. Brilliant finish from Harrison Reid. Hello and welcome to the That's So Craven podcast, your Fulham podcast from down under. And we are here today to discuss a couple of cup games, some women's football and the, the state of Fulham Football Club as it stands at the moment. A lot to talk through here to discuss it all we have sam how are we going sammy hey i'm really laggy i've got a very poor internet connection i'm very happy to be
1: here um uh, and yeah it's 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 sometimes it's nice when we take a break but then it's always just good to come home you know it's like coming home to cookies it's good
0: coming home to cookies random Mm -hmm. but okay dad how are we going tonight i'm good thank you i'm good you look sam you look like you're
2: being held hostage somewhere
1: well, I'm in my bedroom, and the influencer light is in the other room because, like my charger, uh, Paris realized that she could use it for typing. So if I'm not in the other room and she's working, I'm taking this one because that's what good husbands do. You know, we just share it around.
2: Okay, You
0: could easily be in a cave in Afghanistan somewhere with the backdrop you're currently working with. Um, <laughs> Look, guys, we yeah. here. Um, this I'll make mention of it at the start. Actually, this is our 98th episode. We're slowly approaching 100 episodes of That's So Craven. Um, and actually, I believe when we record our 100th episode, Sammy, you will hopefully be over here in Perth safe and sound. Um, and yeah, just a, a bit of appreciation at the start of this podcast for everyone who has. Listened in, followed, liked our posts. Just got around the podcast over the last couple of years. We really appreciate it. So please do continue to share the podcast with everyone in your Fulham network. We really appreciate the uh, the free marketing, um, and we really appreciate all the support you guys give us. Um, but guys, there's there's an awful lot to talk about. Let's crack straight into it. And first thing we're going to talk about today is the uh, semi-final result against Liverpool. Uh, one all draw. Um disappointing to be knocked out of the Carabao Cup I, I think we can be disappointed with the the way that we lost these the these games over the two legs due to the manner of the goals that we conceded but still a very good effort to make it to the semi-final dad um give us your thoughts on this second leg Uh
2: just uh kind of disappointing in the moment but really on reflection um a very, very good Liverpool team. I think we tried our best um, and for the most part gave them a pretty decent game really uh, uh, until, um, yeah, um, a little bit of uh, misfortune and, uh, you know, things not exactly going our way, but that that's what happens often when you're uh, not the top team. Can I say that? Is that okay? Yeah. No,
1: I think that's I think that's fair. I'm, you know,
2: genuinely. I
1: sometimes it's nice to have a couple of days between us, um, doing the pod and uh, a result because if you asked me, the day after, I'd probably be um a lot more uh, reticent than I am now. But genuinely, I'm I'm just really proud of the guys. I mean, uh, like a draw against Liverpool, in any other circumstances, is like a massive, massive, massive result. This Liverpool as well is extremely, extremely good. Um, so I, so I can't, I can't really be too upset with the result. I mean, to, it, it was always going to be a, a seriously tall order, and um, I, I, I genuinely think the guys made us really, really proud. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't close out, but that's, that's okay. That's okay.
2: Definitely.
0: Yeah. Look, I, I mean. If we look at the goals, we can see that across the two legs, um, there's the, the disappointing opener in the first leg where the ball takes a massive deflection. I think it's off Tosin from memory, and loops over the top of Burnt Leno, and then in this second leg, it's a it's a really a kind of an unexpected error from Burnt Leno, if if you call it that, um, and also f- from Timothy Castagna as well. To be beaten in the air that easily for a defender is poor. Um, diaz obviously takes the chance well but the ball deflects twice off def- off two different defenders leno you'd expect to do better there gets a hand to it and it's just not strong enough goes under as i me and dad discussed it at length i guess and you know it, it feels like that deflection just took a bit of pace off the ball and made the ball dip a bit and so leno's just misjudged it but it's considering this Liverpool team are top of the league probably going to go on and actually win the whole thing based on the way they're playing at the moment they you know they've still got Salah to come back this is a serious side and we've played them at Anfield twice this season we've lost by one goal in both of those games we've played them at home drawn one all it's it's actually you you have to sort of take a step back it's hard in the moment when Wembley was within reach but you do have to take a step back and say, we've done really well against yeah. a really good side here. We we have to take a little bit of pride in that. Mm.
2: Yeah, I, th- I actually think that um, what happened in that moment didn't actually translate very well for TV. I, I, I think Leno got done by some aerodynamics that may not have been evident, certainly from the rear view, um, because he... It looks uncharacteristically bad, uh, and I'm I'm still struggling to believe that he could misread it so badly. And I don't think he's mm. that kind of a goalkeeper. Just just isn't. He's a really great shot stopper with great reflexes. So it's a bit strange, yeah. really. Oh no, it maybe kind of looks
0: like a, a Sunday League save almost. That's the kind of thing you'd expect a Sunday League keeper to, to do. Put your hand out and sort of go the right way, but not get far enough and not actually stop the ball. It just didn't, like you said, uncharacteristic. And that's, I guess, why it's a bit gutting, this result, because of that. Um, but look, I mean, we have to, like I said, take a step back and realise we've got to a semi-final of the League Cup. We were we were this close, and unfortunately we got definitely the harder draw when you consider we could have been playing Chelsea or could have been playing sure. Middlesbrough. Um, mm. we, we got the hardest draw here, and we, we pushed it right to the end, and I think we have to... Take our hats off and, and say we we put in a really good effort, especially missing two key players in Bassi and Awobi, who I think I'm not going to say would have made the difference and and got us the win in the end. But those two add a lot to this team, and I think mm. at the moment with them away at Afcon, we're really starting to understand how important they are to this team and how they actually, for me at least, are, are such firm starters in this eleven. And I can't see a way forward without them both in the starting eleven because it just there's such a gap without them now.
1: Mm, totally, as well as um, Liverpool having a significant um, a significant amount of depth in comparison to us as well. So, I mean, they've also got players out um, Afcon as well. But I mean, just the sheer numbers that they have. I mean, you could probably argue that. We were kind of overexerting ourselves, playing as many games as we actually did, and trying to prioritize. Do we prioritize the league? I mean, we'll talk about it um, with the FA Cup uh, fixture. Um, uh, how we just had to rejig the squad, and so we were, we were like we probably pushed ourselves up against the wall a little bit. But um, even still, even still,
2: well, you got to go for it, though. You know, it's totally, semi final. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I would actually turn it around and say, rather than kind of lament the result, we we should be screaming and 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 cheering for Silver and what mm. he's achieved. You know, given oh. given his resources, With what he's got. Yeah, hundred so,
0: um, percent. Um, very tough. A, a really good goal, well a well taken goal for Fulham as well. Uh, an unlikely source, though. Dad, um, good finish from Diop there. <laughs> yeah, what was that all about? What
2: was he even doing there? I mean doesn't matter. Did, did, doesn't matter. Did, he, did he have a did he have a visa to be in the six yard box? What the hell was he doing? I mean, I'll take it. Uh, and and, and uh, great example that's where you've got to be. Uh that's kind of where you have gotta be for magical things to happen. It's um, very it's very it was very, very shades funny. of
1: Bobby Decadova Reed just doing whatever he wants and then just getting the goal and then you're just going, Yeah, fair
2: enough. Okay, happy with that. I mean it might have been even more funny if it hit him in the back of the head and went in. Oh, but, That would have been uh, excellent.
0: That would have been excellent.
2: Uh, well, I'll, um, I'll take it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, it, it's a shame that we couldn't get a better result in this game, but at the end of the day, um, it, it's been a, a really enjoyable cup run. And it, it often at the start of seasons, I look at the FA Cup and the League Cup and I think, yeah, that's kind of cool, but there's there's bigger fish to fry every season. And so mm. it's actually been really refreshing and nice this season to look at the League Cup and go, yeah, you know what? Let's give it a crack. We're, we're pretty safe in the league. We were in a good position. You know, we've, we've still got Everton and Forrest to potentially pick up more point deductions before the end of the season, which gives us this even bigger boost over the, what will now be the bottom five who we're, we're miles ahead of at this stage. Mm. Um, and... and It's been enjoyable having that cup run and I don't know when the next time we will have a cup run will be, um, especially as we've been knocked out of the uh, FA Cup. So let's uh, move on to that game and talk about the 2-0 loss to Newcastle. There's a lot going on with this one, not just the result, but everything around the game. But let's just talk about the action itself because we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, Dad, Fulham put out a slightly weakened team, but still a decent side and Newcastle also put out a fairly full-strength side were you expecting us to both put out full-strength teams considering there's a game coming up in the next 24 hours or so
2: oh you know um look I think if this would been a FA Cup semi-final round um regardless of having played a game two days earlier and how knackered mm. people might have been you'd have to roll the dice and throw everything at it but it's it's a difficult-ish fixture fairly early on, and you just have to take that one on the chin, I think, and go, well, you know, that's arrived at a sort of an awkward moment in the schedule. And um you can't we just don't have the depths to keep turning up with our very best squad and mm. uh, falling back. Um you know to 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 brilliant others uh, on the weekend so i'm not surprised at what happened i, I if you were serious about it you, uh, my preference would always be put your best team out try and nick a goal and and then make some changes but i think i think mark has just gone very pragmatic here uh, the the bigger problem we also have is um no disrespect to Moonies, he tried really hard, didn't have his worst game by an absolute long stretch. But how were we really going to be scoring a hat for the goals against what I thought were a pretty weak Newcastle, actually? They were They were poor. They were really poor. And it was an, a massive opportunity had we had a full-strength side.
1: Newcastle's really approaching Chelsea level for me of a team that I just hate more and more with each season. They really annoy me. Really, really, really annoy me. They re- like the last I reckon the last couple of seasons, they've really been a bogey team for us. And the financial takeover is one thing, but I just feel that the way in which we've lost almost every time we've played them, yes, they're a good side. Yes, they've had some good momentum. But they just they just seem to like neg us in the most irritating way um the politics behind the game as well is just insult to injury as far as i'm concerned it's just unfortunate timing and you just kind of further underscores my dislike of them to be frank but um
2: but that goal i mean the first goal totally against the run of play they were i thought they were dreadful actually like really yeah. terrible they just um, sneak it though they just always
1: seem to get us and it's well so uh, i mean i
0: on your point there, Dad, I don't know if you remember the commentator saying during the game he's been watching Newcastle for however many years it was, and this is the worst passing performance by yeah. any Newcastle team he's ever watched, yeah. including yeah. Newcastle teams that have been relegated from the Premier League. Yeah. Um, and, and this is a Newcastle team who are, you know, pushing for Champions League spots. They They were really poor. And Fulham, I have to say, Fulham seemed to run the game for the majority of the game. We just... Couldn't do anything with our shots on goal, or even, or even get. We, but we
2: were the we lights. we were pretty wasteful as well. We yeah. turned it over so many times. It was just really pretty ordinary standard. For particularly in the first half, it was just you know pr- really pretty scrappy. But but to be fair to Newcastle, they're not a rubbish uh, club or side. They've they've got a pretty good squad. They've got a they they've got a lot of injuries. They are. Going Enjoy. through a mis- miserable and, and injuries to key players. Miserable patch at the moment. Mm. So, you know, you're gonna spare a thought for them, uh trying to muddle through. But it 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 is the kind of thing that you know they're they're following fans, God, they you know, wouldn't when, when, when you give something, not, not not to diss our fans, but God, they're noisy and they're just um they sing their hearts out, and you know there's this interesting dynamic between the players on the pitch and the crowd, and who who you know who who moves first, who actually changes it up. Does it the crowd lift the players, or does one player do something to lift the crowd? And I I have to say that um, even even in the Liverpool match, I thought. We were really, really noisy, and obviously, you can't feel the full atmosphere because you're not sitting in the stadium. But it the, the preparation, all the black and white colors actually, there are only two colors. Um, but you know, it, it was a great carnival atmosphere. And as soon as that goal went in, we we went quiet, and that's mm. really tough, that's hard for a team. And it's a bit easy to be a front-running set of fans. But I do take my hat off to some of those really big northern clubs who just sing their hearts out Mm -hmm. and bay for the team to react, you know. And you almost need like a Polinia to just grit his teeth and do something incredible to get the crowd on their feet and uh, try to change the momentum Craven Cottage is not that good at that. We're not. Do you know at what?
1: That. Do you know what? Like, um, I think I think you actually raise a really good point because I think um we do have the players who can really elevate everything. Um, we have um Paulina Kenny to an extent. Um Jimenez as well when he's like really really firing and he's hot. Um, but like with um uh, like places like Anfield and especially Newcastle fans as well every team kind of has a little bit of an edge to them or they have um these key things Newcastle's fan base um if there was ever ever an argument for 13 no sorry um, the 12th man having um the ultimate say and being able to turn the match they they are they're the best example of that Liverpool at oh, yeah. home I think they can they can really rock but um I mean they Newcastle fans travel everywhere for them. It's impressive. It's very annoying, but it's it is impressive.
2: Yeah, it is. It really is. And there was one moment in in the, the actual latter stages of the Liverpool tie when I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was a rare moment for me to see William really scrapping hard for those second balls and diving in. Um, to, to desperate, desperate to win the ball, get possession back, and try and mount some sort of challenge. And that's the kind of stuff that obviously that really gets fans going because they can see the team absolutely desperate. And I'm not saying it's on it's on the players to lift the fans. It's kind of this mutualism where you've got a, it's almost like you need a couple of key people in the team who are capable of sparking the crowd. And Polini is definitely one of those guys. You know, those big slide mm-hmm. tackles, they're just mental. And they're just so effort-based that, that you just think this guy's a warrior. He just doesn't give up. And it really inspires people. I, yep. I, I mean, how many have we got of those? Maybe maybe Kenny is capable or something like that?
1: Every week uh, I have a serious appreciation for your 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 love of work great players for lack of a better word like they, they, re- they really get Elton going don't they
2: Well I, th- I think they get fans going don't they I mean I, I appreciate yeah. uh, genius skill as well but I think I think you know it's it's about heart isn't it and mm. people really appreciate that because uh, it's if you are the underdog, and you somehow prevail when you've got no right to against a really skillful team. That's the that's the stuff of the heroes. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about the goals themselves. Um, the first goal slightly contentious. Um, VAR didn't overturn it. The ball comes off uh, Gomes' arm, falls to Longstaff, who hits it first time into the bottom corner. Good finish. But, um, look, this handball rule is getting too complex and too complicated for me at the moment. I can't even follow if it is or isn't. I've seen lots of people discussing it and saying a season ago it would have been, or two two years ago, it would have been disallowed. And if Longstaff was a person who had accidentally handballed, it would have been disallowed. But because the person who did the accidental handball is not the goal scorer it's counted as accidental and therefore not a handball, even though it falls directly to their player. And uh, mm-hmm. handball is just too confusing now. Do we need to move back to a system where if the ball hits your hand, it's handball no matter what, unless your hand, I guess, is oh. flush against your body and, you know, is, it, mean, is it just too complex now?
2: N- n- no, I think it just it just lacks common sense. I mean, in, in the in the old in the olden days well not in the olden days forget forget that i even said that because in the olden oh. days there wasn't no a there there was no var at all and yeah. the ref just saw it called it or missed it yeah. and just waved at you and told you to get on with it but yeah. um i i just whatever the detail whatever the most recent change to the handball rule and i wouldn't even profess to be up with it But I I don't care if Longstaff was the protagonist or not. The ball fell from one of his teammates, accidental or otherwise, into his path. Absolutely teed up. Great finish. Great turn and finish. Really, really. It was onto it like a flash. But if the ball had not hit his arm, and don't talk to me about the same effect if it hit his body because it did hit his arm, and that's not legal. If the ball hits his arm and falls into Flagstaff's long stuff, Flagstaff? long, long, um, staff. long staff, long staff, long staff's path, um, and that contributes to a goal, I, I in in in, my, in any universe, I just don't see how common sense prevails and says that's a fair goal, doesn't seem mm. right. Sammy? Uh, I'm, okay, I'm, I'm trying that. really hard. Yeah. I'm trying
1: really hard <laughs> not to talk about VAR and just, uh, yeah, it's too easy. But no, okay. yeah,
0: no, Exclude VAR here and just talk. That's about what I'm trying do to do. Should, <laughs> do you think we should, the rule should be simplified. And if it hits your hand, no matter the circumstances, it should be a handball.
1: Yeah, I actually, I actually do agree with that. I do agree that, uh, I mean, the rule is handball. So anything that can factor in handball um, uh, should count as handball, very, very simply. It became um, a bit of a discourse a couple of years ago, and it's uh, very... The path to hell is laid with good intentions, and um, now we've created this weird parallel universe where uh, there is handball with intention and handball without intention, and uh, there, there is... a a very unnecessary convoluted way around it when it's, it should just be, did it touch your hand? Yes. So then you just go from there.
2: But you think about Hawkeye, you know, give or take Um, Hawkeye and cricket has some, has some fallibility, but they seem to have sort of got around that by creating some soft landings for the margin of error. But the offside rule using VAR, brilliant. It's offside or it isn't. It's mathematical, yeah. and, no, and the no. same could ap- same could apply to handball. Uh, did it hit someone below the elbow or, or you know whatever you want to include in the hand or arm, and did it hit the body part or not? Doesn't matter if it was accidental. Um, it's not allowed, and and so VAR could be really really good at judging whether the act occurred or not 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 the subjectivity of what was meant or not meant or you know was it intentional that that's just an absolute can of worms and it's always going to be contentious i don't know why they go there don't know why they go there
0: yeah, yeah. Look, i don't think we see many intentional handballs now i think the majority of handballs in football are unintentional
2: yeah, um, mm. it, yeah. it's
0: often just arms out to the sides, you know, elbows hanging out stupidly when you're jumping, just because yeah, that is how you yeah. jump. Um mm-hmm. and look, you can you can really simply create a couple of rules around it saying if your hands are on your body and the ball hits your hand, it's not out. Same with not out, sorry, it's not a handball. Same with if your arm is tucked into your side and you're really trying not to handle the ball and being really Ooh, careful. Be careful and if you're really trying. Because <laughs> no, no, no. okay. now, now you're introducing
2: re- re- no. subjectivity.
0: No, what I'm saying here is, if if you if it's obvious that both of your arms are pulled into your side, and you're not, you're you're in what you'd call and it's probably an unnatural position because you're actually trying not to have the ball hit your arm. Then I think you can say if it hits you on the elbow when your arm is shoved up against your side, that shouldn't be a handball because where else is your elbow meant to go at that point? And, and so I. Th- I think you have to well, you can't expect every defender to now live their life with their arms behind their backs just to avoid the ball potentially hitting their hand. That that at that point you're you're potentially ruining the game. And you're also saying that players could get into the box and just try and flick the ball towards someone's arm when it's against their side, trying to win a penalty all the time. And and, and you, you have might... to have some rules in place to allow reasonable Handballs, balls, if you will, which is where you there's no option to get your hand out of the way because your hand is against your body or in a very natural position. So it, it's, it is hard because there has to be some subjectivity to it. But isn't it isn't okay. it not too different? Isn't it not too different
1: to just diving in the box and then just essentially just um, uh, making a mockery of the rules that are there in place? It's cheating, but at the same time it's at least adhering to a very clear set of rules that's been no, established. No, it's
0: different because diving in the box is is actually cheating. If you accidentally handball something, it's very different to intentionally going over in the box. So I, I think it's, it's there's two different things there. Uh, the, but, the, but, for but me, this is, just to summarise it, a, though, there has to be a change.
2: This is a double kind of issue because not only – was their handball, but the handball actually led to an advantage. Mm-hmm.
0: Which yeah, would not at, have at been which there. point it, it surely has to be overturned. And and Thank it you. baffled me as to why it wasn't. Um I can understand I can understand the reasoning based on the way the rule is currently. And my issue is that the rule is is wrong. The the ruling should never be that you can accidentally handball into the path of your player and then score a goal. That just it's it's mind boggling the fact that that is actually a rule in football. Yeah. Um, yeah. But any, anyway, I think we can all agree that it was it's a contentious call and one that we're not overly happy with. Fulham go one nil down and look, I think it does change the game at that point. We were dominating, but going one nil down when you're playing well just suck the life out of the game a bit. Mm. Um, Dad, second goal. Walk us through.
2: Um, I I can't, I can't remember the build-up to it
0: other than Dan Burn
2: smashing at home when, and him actually having quite a lot of space to do that.
0: Yeah, it's a corner. It was poor marking at the back post. Ball gets headed yeah. back into the box. No, everyone's ball watching. No one picks up Dan Burn, who just has to slot at home basically. Um, to so it's a tap-in for him, which he rather than taps in, absolutely smashes into the back yeah, of the net, and it, that was it, aim at that point. It, hmm. Yeah, he
2: had an annoyingly good game, Dan Byrne.
0: Yeah, he did. He, he dominated. It It is easy when you're six foot seven or whatever he is, and you're playing against Bobby Deckard over Reed, to be fair. Um, <laughs> yeah. It does make your headers look a little bit more imposing when you have about a foot over your opponent. God, he's a um, giant, isn't he? But, look, a, a really disappointing loss, and... We'll talk about some of the off-field stuff at the end of the podcast. I don't want to get too deep into it now because before we do that, I do want to cover um, the Fulham women's team who were back in action in the league. Um,
2: This
0: is uh, the – I just saw a really great way of uh, pronouncing this league, which is abbreviated to L&SERWFL, which stands for London and Southeast Regional Women's Football League. Uh otherwise known as the laser waffle. That's great. Uh, which I think <laughs> that's great. Which I think is one of the best names for a league ever. Oh, um, so I want shirts of the laser waffle. <laughs> Fulham currently sitting top of the laser waffle after a 3 1 victory against Sutton United. Um, and, and look, this is the point in the season where we need to be clinical, and we're getting to that stage now, and it's it's really pleasing to see. Um Goals from uh, Sasha Adamson in the 13th minute, Georgia Heisman in the 33rd minute, taking it to 2-0 at halftime. Um, Sutton did pull one back in the 64th minute, but Chloe christensen Mcnee uh, in the 67th minute made it 3-1, and that's how the game ended. Um, disappointing, obviously, not to get a clean sheet, um, but a- another really solid win from this Fulham women's team who are just going from strength to strength and now sit on top of the league. Um, Sam and Dad, you know, we've talked about it sort of week in, week out, how important it is to keep up um, these good results. Sutton, you know, they're sitting quite low down the table at the moment, but Fulham's sitting on top with 36 points. We have a two-point buffer over Dulwich and Dartford, who are both chasing us and have games in hand. How important is it to make sure that we still pick up these wins and, and, you know, at the moment, look at the league, we're top. Do, Do you think that's going to be playing into Dulwich and Dartford's minds at the moment? You'd be a brave liar
2: to say it wasn't, Um, (laughs) you know, because having been on top all season uh, and front running and then to lose it, uh, it doesn't matter how many games you've got in hand, you've still got to execute and complete those games and win. Mm. So there's risk in getting back, and that's pressure. And um, I, I think it's a great a great position that we found ourselves in. And can I just uh, also give a shout out to Dan Crawford for his uh, lovely article that I I read on the game. He's very poetic and uh, beautifully written article. Uh, I do enjoy reading his coverage of the game, and I'm and you know I'm I'm we should all be very grateful that he uh, puts mm-hmm. the time into writing those articles.
0: Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um. Uh- look i think i think um truly great teams have to approach um like take um take a man city for example i think they approach um games against burnley the same way that they approach games against liverpool obviously there is higher jeopardy in one versus the other but i think you got to go into absolutely every game with the idea that you might potentially lose and that you want to dominate and um i i've endless 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 pride for what the girls are doing at the moment it's i mean it's it can almost be tasted um it's it's genuine if they if they do go through it's genuinely going to be a real moment for me i'm going to be so proud of them and they deserve all the admiration and time that we can give them in the world for genuinely just taking this season to a whole nother level and I think it's been, um, they've had some really good additions to this side and it it just seems to all be flowing so smoothly. And it's a massive, massive credit to them. Um, Every, every opportunity they've had, I think they've really, really excelled. They've had one or two um, not amazing results, but I mean, in the the examples that I can think of, it was always going to be a tall order. Um, yeah look it's so clo- it's so close to the end of the season now isn't it it's well, I mean it's almost from there.
2: what I from what I can gather as well it, it wasn't all their own way um I, I think Sutton United actually came out and gave them you know quite quite a game in the beginning oh, absolutely. and it, yeah um mm. so so you know it, it it wasn't just a front running. Three goals up, and then they scored a consolation goal. It didn't happen like that at all. So it it it's still uh, you know competitive, and they're still having to execute their plans. Uh, but this is this is really exciting, and um, I you know obviously we've got everything crossed in the hope that uh, they they can get this over the line and take it down to the last the last game.
0: Another big positive for me as well is. Um... You know, like you said, Sutton actually came out and gave a really good account of themselves. And mm. we see that throughout the league, even though there is quite a big gap between the top three or four sides and, and the rest of the league. We, we've we seen the teams lower down the division, at least put in very good efforts against the top teams. We've seen, you know, just really good results throughout the season, which gives me a bit of hope that come the end of the season, these Teams like Sutton, I'm looking at the fixtures now, Sutton played Dulwich on the, uh, I think it's the second last game of the season for them. And so at the moment, Sutton, yes, they're sitting in ninth place. They are actually trying to avoid relegation as well, which, you know, you can't just take your foot off the pedal completely. Mm -hmm. We'll actually be hoping that Sutton come out and give that same effort in that game against Dulwich and potentially cause an upset, even if they, they get a draw out of that game. Every point counts at this stage of the season for Fulham. And um, I I think there's a long way to go. And it's definitely not a foregone conclusion for any of the top three sides chasing that um, automatic promotion spot. And it is going to come down to the end of the season. And I've just noticed that um, on the FA website for the Laser Waffle, they've actually included a predictor now. So it allows you to go in and go through all the results, enter scores and see how the table ends at the end of the season. One thing I will say is that I think all Fulham fans need to also be Salt Dean United fans over the next couple of weeks. Salt Dean play against uh, Dulwich Hamlet in the league next weekend and Dartford the weekend after. So Salt Dean actually also having a very good season. They're currently sitting fifth in the league. They've only lost three games out of their 11 so far. Um, it, It might look like they're a little further behind us, but... They've got four games in hand over Fulham and sit 14 points behind us. If they win all four of those, they're only two points behind us. So they're actually a decent side, and they've got a couple of games and and we hand. really we lose. our season at this point.
2: We'd also have to lose all four games
0: for that, for that to Exa- occur. Of, of course. No, no, no. They've got four games in hand over us. So they've only played 11. We've played 15, um, and they yeah, sit okay, 14 okay. behind us. So they'd only be two points behind us. And, yeah. uh, you know, we, we're fortunate this weekend Fulham play – sorry – Uh, The next round of league fixtures is the 11th of February. Um, Fulham play Enfield Town, who are sitting in the relegation zone at the moment with only two wins from their 11 games this season. Uh, Dulwich and Dartford um, have to take on Salt Dean and Aylesford. Now, Aylesford, you'd expect Dartford will get a good win there and put some pressure back on us at the top of the league. But I I really think Salt Dean could be a bit of a dark horse here and could really upset the apple cart. If they get a draw against Dulwich, for example... And then the week after they get a draw against Dartford, it really does open up the league a little bit. And we could see Fulham potentially just widen that gap a little bit, or at least when we get to sort of the point where every team is level on games played, it's all to play for. And and towards the end of the season, um, that huge game on the last day of the season, Fulham versus Dartford, I just think that's going to be an absolute ripper because I, I, I genuinely think those teams are going to be within three points of each other at the end of the season. And I think that's probably going to be the league decider. Um Well that game wouldn't
2: it be great to watch it live. Uh, that game I takes want on place YouTube, on the seventh
0: of April. It's it's due to be played at Motspur Park. I know there's a lot of chatter out there about potentially getting it moved to Craven Cottage because it would be a massive game, but I think we need to at least get in the club's ear early doors and try and get that game organized to be televised live because it would be a massive game for the club um, where we, we could hopefully see Fulham finally get promoted after years of trying and years of getting closer and closer. It, it really does feel like it's our year this year. And look, it's not just down to us covering it in such detail this year, but I'd like to, no, I'm not, not claiming anything at all. No, claim um, it, claim it, <laughs> say it with chest. Say it Not with a chest. <laughs> but look, it, it's it's a really exciting little time at the moment. The the, the next game for Fulham, though, is actually a um, League Cup game in the Laser Waffle League Cup. Um, Fulham take on Dulwich Hamlet at Motspur Park this coming weekend, uh, the 4th of February, 2.30pm kickoff. And, and look, it's it could be a really good opportunity for us to just put our stamp on Dulwich and sort of say, look, this is the level you have to be to get promoted and, and really give them a give them a thumping hopefully and and maybe leave a couple of bruises behind and and leave our mark on them going into the the run in at the end of the season because there there's a lot of games to be played before the final game of the season on the 7th of April we've even got what february is a short month and and march um between what in that sort of 8 week period there's about 14 games that need to be played including some cup games as well so there's a lot of football to be played and and I'm really hoping that this Fulham women's team keeps kicking on and keeps going from strength to strength and really takes, you know, top spot and, and makes it our own. Um, guys, moving on, a big topic to cover here, and it's the Fulham versus the fans, as I've called it here. Um, look, there's, there's a lot to be said after the... just everything that's happened in the last few weeks, but it all sort of came to a head during the Newcastle game. Um, only 18,000 in attendance after ticket prices were put at 40 pounds for adults, five pounds for kids. Um, and there's a lot more to this story. And just to give a bit of background, obviously the, um, ITV coverage before the game, a lot was made and it's not just the ITV coverage. It was mentioned, I believe overseas on, on the streams as well. And on sort of around the world, wherever the game was being covered live, Um, There was mention made of the fact that Fulham fans were protesting against the owners uh, for the fact that ticket prices were uh, outrageous and, you know, loyal fans being priced out of Fulham. Uh, We saw the attendance, only 18,000 people there. I believe it's our lowest Premier, well, our lowest attendance against another Premier League side for something ridiculous like 20 odd years. Um, uh, And... It it seemed like it would even be less than that, and it it was very noticeable when watching the game that there were big areas of emptiness within Craven Cottage. Um, Post-game, the club actually issued a statement, which was read out on ITV, stating that they were pleased with (laughs) the attendance for the game and that they were happy with their pricing and believed that, you know, everything was going fine and everything's fine. It just proves that there's such a huge disconnect at the moment between what the supporters are saying and what the club is actually hearing. And we see it when you look at the minutes of the supporters' trust meeting and you just see that the club just feel like there's nothing wrong at the moment. But the sentiment on Fulham Twitter and everything you see written is just that there's there's such a communication issue here and... I don't understand how a club can just bury their head in the sand and ignore fans when the fan voice is currently so loud. Um, Dad, I'll throw to you first. What are your thoughts on the whole situation and how the club are handling it?
2: Well, technically, um, the club can do whatever they like. The owners of the club and the executive (laughs) can do whatever they like. They're not bound by... a a vote on every topic. This is not Switzerland, Um, you know, and so in theory they can do whatever they like, but they are missing a pretty key uh, sort of element in how sporting clubs run and particularly uh, football clubs in England and the dynamic um, that exists. So you, you, you can do what you like. They're not answerable to the fans or they could believe that they're not. But everyone knows that's simply not true. And you sort of, you wonder where it will and can end because I think the fans, as only Fulham fans would be, have been very gentlemanly and very respectful and very passive, uh, very kind of annoyed in a very British way up to this point. And as I said, the, you know, they they can box themselves in um, and decide they don't have to listen to anyone. But there will come a point if the whole fan base actually stands together, there will come a point where there has to be dialogue and there has to be change. Because without fans, uh, it's a damaged and much uh, different brand. And you can say what you like, but as a hard-headed businessman who owns an asset called a football club, you you do need to be concerned about the brand. And the happiness of the fans is an integral part of all of that.
1: I'm, um I'm listening to this audiobook at the moment it's by a guy called um uh, Malcolm Malcolm Gladwell. It's called uh, Talking with Strangers. He talks a lot about um uh, this concept called a uh, default to truth theory. Um in in summary it's that we as human beings will always try to see things as truthful and positive. And if somebody gives us information, we will try to find ways to validate that because we don't actually want to think of the worst case scenario, meaning it's ill intentions. Um, i I genuinely think it is ill intentions. I, I don't I don't think um, the club really misunderstands anything. I think they're very aware of it. I think uh, the statement that they put out, was uh, potentially a ploy to redirect the narrative ever so slightly and it's kind of backfired on them it's um it's 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 saddening um and and, and let's be honest here we are fans who love our club from across the world but we're, we're not the ones directly affected by this it's people in the uk who are having to choose between um spending eighty dollars australian or um uh buying food and uh, like considering things like rent it's it's really really bleak um, but the climate is if you can get away with it and if you can convince people that it isn't a problem then they're not going to think it's a problem so it's up to us essentially and um, various other uh, people in the Fulham community as well as social media platforms and uh, just fans in general should just voice um, uh, their disconcern and just Just try to make sure that this narrative isn't the one that sticks because it so easily could be if we don't make an equal amount of noise um i think it's i think it's very concerning and it shouldn't necessarily be downplayed because when you allow people to create new narratives you create um lots and lots of issues
0: yeah i I I think you're completely right. Uh, the, the This issue is not going away. I think it's quite clear now that the club ha- have made their stance clear and now it's up to the fans and the supporters and the Fulham community to also take as strong a line as the club is taking. The, the message that the club put out post-game in response to a fan protest is – can only be considered incredibly insulting that there's a, a you know the, the one thing to remember here is this protest wasn't organized by you know the, the Fulham community it wasn't organized by the supporters trust and by Fulhamish it was genuinely down to like, people and individual individuals, holders individuals. And, and individuals all saying I'm I can't pay 40 pounds for a ticket to a game having already had a league cup semi-final earlier in the week that people wanted to pay money for and paid through the nose for as well. Mm. And you you can understand when those tickets are expensive. It's against the team that's top of the league to get into a final. So I understand sometimes tickets will be expensive for games, Mm. but for the club to just take that hard line and go, no, we're happy with, the attendance. We think the prices are reasonable and just not listen to the majority of the fans who didn't just so, show it by talking on Twitter and and talking about how upset they were and unhappy they were with the situation. They actually spoke with their feet by not attending this game and having huge areas of the stadium completely empty because people are unhappy with it. And it's not organized protest. It's, it's pure protest against the way the club's it's been not, running, and it, you it's disillusioned. It might with not the way even been run,
2: it might not even be protest, Jack. It might no. be simply a lack of affordability. Like, I just can't yeah.
0: go well, 100%. Yeah, of course. But, huh? but in well, a way, that is a protest. It's even because worse, you're, you're saying, uh, and I, I saw it all over Twitter people just saying, I, I could pay 40 pounds for it, but I'm not going to because mm. it's well, it's that unfair, it's ridiculous. Well, it, yeah. it kind of is a protest. It, you're not actually taking a hard line and saying, "I'm protesting this." They're just saying, "I could pay 40 pounds." You're voting, pounds it, you're but I'm voting not with the, your feet. You're voting exactly. With you. it, it's just ridiculous, and, and that's the problem here. And I, the thing I hated the most about the statement was saying, "Well, kids are five pounds. That's, that's great. How great that we're offering all these wonderful cheap tickets. It's super reasonable." But mm. how many kids are going to this game completely unattended? And a you know, if a kid goes to the game, they go with their dad who pays forty pounds for the ticket. And yeah, it's cynical. It, it's just the the club just backing themselves into this corner, but they're they're so confident that they're doing the right thing, and they're so confident that they they'll win this game. And I saw someone on Twitter describing it as a game that's being played, and it really does oh. feel like. The, the Fulham board and the Fulham hierarchy are playing a game with the fans, and every move they do is just to try and get a one up and get a win. No, I don't.
2: I don't. I I, I don't think it's a game. I think it's sort of brinkmanship, mm. um, and and just that is a game. Doing what whatever they can to get it. No, it's money. It, it, whatever it's they feudalism. can push it as far as they can until they can't anymore. So. Uh, my, my my what i'd like to know is where does this end because fulham the fulham football club keep on saying no nope, it's fine we're happy with the attendance so you're going to be happy with 10,000 at the mm. next game are you going to be happy with 5,000 are you going to be happy with 2,000 you can be happy with no one in the stands is that still okay i know you've got the season ticket holders money but are you going to be happy when everyone says no so at what point do they concede that we're not happy with that actually that's not a good outcome because whatever whatever no, you the are answer is to the
0: organized protest
2: no no uh, yeah but 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 we're talking about how do we get to the point where it's not that they're not listening they're actually saying yes we are listening but we're perfectly happy with the situation we have the right to have our revenue objectives and we think that's a fair price and if only 18,000 people turn up, that's fine. So at what point is it not fine? Because when it's not fine, they might consider changing the strategy. And and that yeah. might give you an insight as to where we go next.
1: It's, it's always going to be between a rock and a hard place for me, just because um, as a fan, we um, will always be prone to engage and they will as in the club i mean will always be very very conscious of that so they will keep on uh uh, projecting this uh idea that it's fine and uh, you will come anyway and you know what we will (laughs) because that's that's just what you do when you love your club and you invest um yeah, it's not it's, it's not for me to say I, I don't have any concrete ideas. And honestly, it shouldn't necessarily ever be coming from me at any point. Um, but as long as the conversation keeps um, circulating and keeps being discussed at this stage, I think that's all we can really do before um, cooler and smarter heads figure out a solution. I don't think the solution is going to come from the club, though.
0: It's interesting you say that we we will continue to come no matter what. The, the actual issue here is the, the Fulham board in what they're doing don't care if we come, if Fulham fans who love the club come or not. They just want bums on seats. And because we're a Premier League club in London, they will get bums on seats no matter what. I, I don't think we'll ever get to the stage where there's only 10,000 people in the stadium because mm. these seats will get sold to tourists, and, and that's yeah. effectively what Fulham are ba- banking on is that you can price them at a point that is desirable for tourists. Tourists will come and pay that price for those tickets, and it doesn't matter who's watching the game as long as the money comes into the coffers at the end of the day. And that's the that's one, one of many big issues here mm. is, is that the club just don't care. They don't care where money comes from. They don't care how the fans feel. And they've proven that time and time again with the statements that they make and how they talk to the supporters' trust and how they engage with the fans. And we we saw it last night. We're recording this on Monday, the 29th of January. And last night there was uproar on Fulham Twitter when what seemed like a bit of a burner account from possibly someone high up at the club just decided to go on an absolute rampage and start throwing people under the bus, threatening um, you know, members of the Fulham community who are very well known and well respected and saying that it's all their fault that the club is going to down the toilet. And if the club gets relegated, it's all on Mr. Noise and Fulhamish and MJG and all those blokes who are actually the lifeblood of the Fulham community. It's, it's those people who Fulham fans want to talk to and want to listen to and engage with at the moment, the club, they, they're just getting it so wrong time and time again. and, you kind of have to look at it and go, when is enough enough? It feels like we're approaching that point now.
1: I think it is worth noting that it, they're going about everything the wrong way if they want to retain their current um, fan base. But, um, and I do want to slightly revise um, what I said before, because you are absolutely right, Jack. Um, uh, We won't come, but other people will. So, uh, it will always be filled, uh, no, it won't necessarily always be filled, but there will always be people that will come to Craven Cottage. And, um, the fear that I have is that, um, uh, if uh, the Khans and um, Fulham as a whole can alienate their current fan base in favor of a more profitable one that can they can actually benefit and uh, will work within the model that they want to go by, financially speaking. That is what they will pursue.
2: Yeah. I'm just I'm just not buying that, that the fan base of Fulham, the loyal fan base, the true loyal fan base of Fulham, will actually suffer that. I just don't buy it. Good oh, luck playing that game. Good luck playing that game, executives and owners. But you, you might get away with it in the short term, but I will enjoy being part of that movement <laughs> that absolutely kneecaps that is a plan. Viva France! Uh, I think
0: I, I think the, w- what you're sort of saying there as well is, and, and I think this is the direction we're going, is the fact that, you know, it's hard to get a big group of people together to get behind a cause. We saw it with the showing of yellow cards. People were, you know, everyone did it in the stadium and it, it was a great show, but there were still people grumbling about it and whinging about it. And I just feel like the longer this goes on and the more that the Fulham hierarchy put their foot in it and continue to make these decisions that baffle the fans the more this whole film community is going to come together against them as well and and you're just constantly drumming up support by doing the wrong thing and we're starting to see it now that everyone is just slowly 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 coming together and we we talk about you know what if everyone walked out of the game and and it's really hard to control things like that and we we constantly talk about let what if we do this what if we do that and one of the biggest issues is the pure logistics of getting 28,000 people inside a stadium to all do the same thing but because of the way that Ali Mack and the Khans are acting and the hierarchy of the club are acting they're actually doing it for us they're doing the job of pulling people together and pulling people against the club because people love the club so much And, Mm. and I think you're right in saying that you're just never going to win in the long run. Like the only way to win is to basically bankrupt the club. And I don't think the cons are going to do that because I think they're savvy business people who aren't going to run the club into the ground financially because they, they see it, they kind of see it as an asset and they're not going to destroy their wealth just to be right. I, I don't think that's, that's the case here, but something has to snap at some point And it, it really feels like we're, We've talked about this quite a few times through the season. It's always felt like, yeah, yeah, something will happen at some point, but it's building now. It's really building within the Fulham community. And I I feel like we're on the edge of something happening and it's, it's going to be big when it does, because I think the, the message to the club has to be big. It has to be bold. We've um, shown yellow cards at the stadium. The club said it's not helpful to protest. We, we, had ten thousand <laughs> yeah. people not buy tickets it's, to the game. It's really uncomfortable. It's really uncomfortable. Can you please? Not um, do that we we had ten thousand people. <laughs> people not attend the Newcastle game, and the club said, "Yeah, we, we're we're actually quite happy with the attendance." Yeah. You have to keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger because the club just refuses to take notice, and I I, I wonder what comes next and And Sammy, as you said, it's not for us to decide what comes next, well, but I think there's a lot of a lot of people out part, there in the full community And decide what comes next No
2: no 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 part part of the problem is that you're you're absolutely right, Jack. you know um getting everyone to coalesce around a, even the best of causes is is very difficult. It just is because human human beings are uh, if they're not lazy. And always looking for someone else to do the heavy lifting. Um, They're just individuals and they're doing just fine. There'd be plenty of people sitting in the Riverside stand and going, what are you whingers on about? Mm. You know, plenty of money and um, just um, quite happy with the status quo. So, and, and, and even the, the whole concept of actually getting money off people up front for season tickets is kind of a slam dunk because you got their money and you can win as much as you like and you can not come if you like, but I've got your money. Mm. Um, um, so it, it's sort of a difficult one for someone who's already shelled out very significant pounds for a season ticket to, to ask them to not turn up at a, at a league game that they've prepaid for it's a big ask and it's just unlikely to happen en masse unless unless this boils to a point where people just say enough no more. Um, you know, go and ask look at look at Ukraine. <laughs> they didn't like what Russia did. Well, um right? I think well, it wasn't I think... hard to get them out in the streets, was it? <laughs>
1: Well, I think I think um uh, one thing that um is pretty definitive is there is a clear out and out bad guy and there's a clear out and out good guy. and that sounds um uh, very, very basic in um, principle, but it's actually important because when um there is a clear um oppressor <laughs> in a situation, it um makes the conversation a lot less nuanced. I think um one of the worst things that the Fulham fan base could do at the moment is, more or less make um, excuses or find reason behind um, uh, the Khan's justification. I think um, one thing that's probably very important that the Fulham fan base has to do is just remain united because as the issue gets bigger, the more Mm -hmm. diverse and the more conversation around it and the more nuanced, it'll literally just become a handball, won't it? Um, Because you'll have... Yeah, and then because you'll have people who feel very, very strongly, people who are kind of in the middle and people who are ambivalent at worst case, they're directly benefiting from it. I don't I don't know. Um, but uh, as long as that middle core of people um, all believe the same thing and are in cahoots and that just grows bigger and um, we stay, I'll get preachy, stay loving to each other and supportive of one another because as I said, this isn't directly affecting us, but it's affecting other people. And if you're a Fulham fan, I love you. Like, share, and subscribe. Um, uh, but uh, it's it's just important that you right. all remain. You're right.
2: You're, you're right, Sam. And people literally have to dig in for the long yeah. haul and be prepared because because they're toughing it out on the other side. They're going, mm. you know, Ali Max earning a very nice salary, and you know, he's not being affected by this at all. He's just doing his job doing as he's told, and he's quite happy to to just tough this one out. And yeah. Fulham fans, as a collective, ought to be prepared to do the same thing. If this doesn't work, let's try this. If that doesn't work, let's try this. And you know, obviously um, as I think every, everyone should be in full agreement, the Fulham Supporters Trust is the channel to do that because mm. they represent the uh, a, a way of of actually projecting a united voice and that's the smartest way of doing it rather than everyone jumping up and down a bit yeah. like i am uh um sort of rah 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 and making a noise it, it, no one cares uh but uh, so so we we have to stay organized really mm. uh, is i guess what we're saying and also as
1: well and also as well to just um uh, put a nice little bow on my point um the point where the ambivalent casual fan really really gives a shit that's when you actually have something i think at the cool. moment um we're at a stage where it's really really hurting some people and um some people aren't necessarily aware and it's not directly affecting them if you can get those people to care and it becomes homogenous i think they then you were actually at a point where you can action some change
0: yeah. Yeah, I, I think all really good points and it's something that we can't let slip now. I think that's the biggest point here is that as a as a Fulham podcast and as a Fulham community, we really need to continue to fight the good fight if you will, um to to continue to just put pressure on the club to to do the right thing because at the end of the day football is is for the fans. Like I know it's a business, mm. but football was kind of created for enjoyment it's it's a pastime it's something that should be enjoyed by everyone and you should people shouldn't be priced out of football yeah. people shouldn't have to potentially not have dinner that night so that they can go to a football game and, and that's where we're getting to at the moment and, and we have to remember this is a it's a game for everyone it shouldn't just be for the super rich and the elite it should be accessible to everyone great for five pound kids tickets but where were the 10 pound adults tickets if you're bringing a kid for example mm-hmm. yep. why, why are we pricing people out of the game who who just want to support the team that they love you see season ticket holders who've had season tickets for 60 years and can't afford to continue to go to 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 watch their team and you know speaking kind of drastically it leads to things like depression and and it's a serious issue that we that that they're kind of dealing with. And this is often the, the joy in people's lives, being able to support your club. I know it brings me personally a lot of joy being able to support the club. And if I was living in London, I'd be trying to get to every single game. And if it got to the point where I just couldn't afford to go to games because of my, my situation, uh, it, it would kill me inside. Uh, and like if, I, if mm. I thought to myself I, I can either provide for my family or go and watch – Fulham play you, you're making me toss up between two joys in my life and I have to pick just one it's it's mm. unfair on everyone involved it's just unfair on Fulham fans who have stuck with this club through thick and thin that you remember the dark years of the early years of the cans you look back even further than that to the very dark times when we were sitting at the bottom of League Two and struggling to survive and and you know it, it's it's fans that make a football club at the end of the day. It's, it's not the chairman. It's not the, the, the CEO. It's, it's the fans that make the club. And the fans are the people who need to be listened to in this instance. It's, it's terrible at the moment and it needs to change.
2: I, I thought it was a kind of a given that every football owner is reminded as they step through the door, across the threshold, is reminded by the previous owner that they are merely custodians for a period of time <laughs> to actually yeah. look after the club and then hand it on in a better shape that's kind of quickly forgotten isn't it i mean let's be honest We're being pragmatic it's a business people pay big big money for the ownership of clubs and they have every right to make a profit out of it i've got no problem with that but Mm. But you, you know, it's a bit like if 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 you want to get into hospitality, there are certain kind of rules of the game. You know, if you're in retail, certain kind of if you want to be in healthcare, you're got to have some ethics. You know, if you want to be in football, um, you can't ignore the dynamic and the constituent of the fan base. You can if you like, but it won't work. It's not how it mm. goes.
1: Uh, just, just to follow on your point Dad, um, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're wrong, but I think, I do think it requires a little bit more to it because I think, yes, it, it is a business in, um, in name, but, um, the f- football, I mean, you, you see this all the time. Football is something that runs so deeply. It's, um, I mean, we found a pretty perverse way that we've, um, been able to finance people's emotions essentially it's one of the purest ways in which we do that music is a, another example of that as well but um the it i one of the darkest things you could probably argue that ever happened to football was the found um, um bringing in an economic side to it because what we what you're actually doing here is you're right um these people don't um really own the clubs they're holding the clubs and they're profiting in that period but the club will always belong to the fans emotionally. And uh, while um, somebody is holding that, uh, you're essentially holding millions of people's emotions or thousands of people. We're, we're still a relatively small club. Um, and you look at uh, the care that's handled. I mean, Liverpool's an amazing example with um, uh, Jurgen Klopp. And the, the way that whole um, uh, club has been handled in the past couple of years with such care, and um, uh, such attention to detail and compassion for its fans and uh, such a beautiful understanding of what that club actually is. It just makes it all the more yucky when you compare it to what's happening with our club. Because, yeah, you're right, it's a business. But um, its I would argue that it's equal amounts of love as it is a business.
0: Yeah. No, I think um, we've all made good points on this one and it's it's tiring it it really is and and that's why it's so important to continue to actually keep up the fight and and keep pushing against the club when it comes to situations like this because that's the only way that you get the outcome that we're looking for which is affordable fulham and and to kind of have our club back again um guys I, i think we can probably wrap it up there we've talked about a lot of things today and we've, we've covered off some pretty heavy topics. Um, Big shout out to Twitter account, Jay Williams as well. It's a shame he's disappeared, Mm -hmm. but it was fun while it lasted. Um, (laughs) Thank you to everyone who's uh, been listening along, been joining in. We apologize again for um, being a little sporadic with our podcasting recently, but we do really appreciate everyone who continues to listen and continues to share all of our content. Uh, We'll continue to podcast and we're really looking forward to, 100th episode in the next couple of weeks so sammy thank you for your time tonight it's an earlier no, one for you tonight
1: it is it is i will be able to um do a couple of other things with my evening which i'm very i'm very happy to say i'm not closing up shop at about one thirty in the morning which is wonderful um again just uh another round of appreciation for all the fans that we have and just film fans in general i mean um it it sounds obvious but the amount that we appreciate you guys is crazy um always keep liking and sharing us and doing all that stuff because it does make a difference and um yeah the, the the bigger the voice that we have um the more we can talk about things like this and if i do say myself i think we actually cover it quite nicely and earnestly and good you know it's nice thanks for having me
2: Thanks, (sighs) thanks <sighs> and Dad
0: thank you for joining tonight yeah
2: I was just trying to I, I don't think I can better that from a modesty perspective better, or, it. <laughs> yeah. um no it was I, I enjoyed that chat it's 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 important you know not not just to get up on a soapbox but I think we we do genuine genuinely care about it and I know there are so many different kind of groups of people here obviously all the overseas fans sit where we do love the club not directly affected by by the pricing of not directly affected by pricing that is and and i think the other thing that we haven't really touched on here is you know spare of thought for marco and the team uh and the the players who it, it, it must be pretty crap Playing under these circumstances, uh, knowing that you've you you know, we we so often talk about the strength of the 12th man for some of these very very big clubs and us on a good day, and to 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 know that there's beef between the stands and the establishment of the club um, catches the manager and the team somewhere in the middle, and that's unfortunate but it must be a bit of a crap dynamic for them um you you can see how much players love being part of a positive great atmosphere in a club when things are going well and they're being really supported by the fans they're so appreciative appreciative of it so it's just a really difficult uh situation and um you know one that we're, we're not advocating um any kind of situation where the team suffers in any way, because God forbid they don't get supported by uh, the uh, the owners sufficiently in the uh, transfer market. So why should the fans beat them up as well? That 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 seems that seems deeply unfair. But anyway, um, watch this space. I, I I had a good idea, but I'm not going to talk about it here. Mm-hmm. The longest <laughs> yeah, goodbye that's ever. Nice that's. <laughs>
0: uh, I
2: specialize in them.
0: Radio. Right, yeah, well thank you again guys um what i'll do as well I've, i'll post a little link to the uh laser waffle predictor um I, i've just gone through it while you're doing that outro and uh, fulham win the laser waffle by four points so congratulations <laughs> fulham women i've predicted you to win the league already so um yeah, so you thank you you, you
2: were literally getting me to tap dads while you were doing that
0: well not far off yeah um <laughs> thank you again to everyone who's listened in thank you as always and come on you whites